And as you check that list off, you hurry to the next thing. And if you end the day without completing your checklist, you feel stressed, you feel overwhelmed. In fact, I would venture to say that there's more on yours and my to-do list than there ought to be. But you and I both think, oh no, there's not. There's less than there ought to be. I have more to do than I have time to do it, we think. And we busy ourselves with things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things at the expense of the one thing. You know this account very well in Luke chapter 10. As Jesus was welcomed into Mary and Martha's home, the scripture says that um, Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. You see, when we sit, we feel lazy. When we're busy, we feel productive. When we sit, others may think you're lazy. When you're busy, others may think you're productive. But you won't stand before others on Judgment Day. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve by myself? Therefore, tell her to help me. What I hear in Martha is a sense of superiority that she is busy doing all the work all by herself while lazy Mary is just sitting on her tail end. And certainly Jesus should agree with Martha. Lord, tell her what she ought to be doing. That she ought to get up and be busy helping me to serve. Isn't that how we think? And isn't that how we feel others think about us? Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried. The word means anxious and troubled about many things. That's my problem The word troubled in the original Greek language of that day, it, its basic meaning is crowd, crowded. And that's what happens to me at 2 and 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. And I awaken and I feel my mind is crowded. Crowded with all the cares and the worries of my life. Too many things. But Jesus said, Martha, only one thing is needed. Throw your to-do list out the window and just write Jesus. One thing is needed. 
Oh, but Lord, I have much to do today. One thing, Jesus says, to our arguments is needed. And Martha, despite how important you feel your to-do list is, Mary has chosen the best thing. Because Mary chose the one thing. To appear to be lazy to you in order to sit and learn and love me. That is our challenge this year and the rest of our lives. To choose that one thing when I feel overwhelmed by my tasks. Perhaps no one felt as much overwhelmed as a man named Joshua. For he was to try to fill the shoes of his predecessor, Moses. You know who Moses was, of course. Moses was Moses. Moses faced down Pharaoh. Through Moses, God produced ten plagues upon the nation of Egypt that brought Egypt to their knees. Through Moses, God brought his children out of the bondage of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea that, that parted and became dry ground for millions of Israelites to pass through. Moses was the one who led them through the wilderness for 40 years. Moses was the one through whom God provided food for them to eat and water for them to drink. Moses, the great man, the great leader of God's people. And now Moses is dead. And the burden falls to Joshua. Joshua's tasked with the responsibility of leading these millions of people across the Jordan River and into the promised land to conquer the peoples of that land and to take it as God had promised it. I'm sure Joshua felt very overwhelmed. I know I would have. And that's why God spoke to Joshua these very important words and words that I often, God often brings me back to when I feel so overwhelmed. God says to Joshua, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses so I will be with you. Would you hear that as God saying that to you? Many of you here today and listening feel overwhelmed with your tasks. Hear God say this to you. As I was with Moses. Now you think about the awesome responsibility that Moses had. As I was with Moses. So I am with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. He repeats that again. Only be strong and very courageous. That you may observe to do according to all the law which my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper 
wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That is, focus on it day and night. You can't focus on more than one thing at a time. If you're focused on the overwhelming task that you face, you cannot meditate on God's word. Meditating on God's word means that he will bring a passage of scripture to your mind like this one we're reading now. And you just spend time thinking about all those words one at a time. What do they mean? What does it mean? Be strong. Lord, I feel so weak. And God's spirit begins to communicate to you, I am your strength. Be courageous, but Lord, I'm so afraid. What time you're afraid, then trust in me. He brings all these passages to scripture, of Scripture together. And you say, well, I don't have all those memorized. That's all right. The Holy Spirit does. And He's living within you. He inspired them. He wrote them. And He will bring them to you. But you do need to have a basis from which He can draw them. You do need to be reading the Bible. You do need to be spending time in God's Word, reading it. Therefore, it comes to mind more easily meditating in God's Word, to observe, to do it. He says, have I not commanded you? By the way, he says, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You see, sometimes when I've told the Lord or thought to myself, I don't have time, even in the middle of the night. I don't have time to meditate on your Word. I don't have time to pray, Lord, i got to think about this problem and i got to figure it out. First of all, how foolish and how prideful a thought that is. Second of all, how hurtful that must be to God. You don't have time for me. I created you. I died for you. I saved you. And I'm the one that can give you peace and hope and direction. That's why prayer and time in God's Word, meditating on it, is life's greatest time saver. So when you think you don't have time, that's the time you should stop everything you're doing and focus only on Him and His Word. You will find clear direction. He will make your way prosperous and successful. That doesn't mean he's going to pour riches into your bosom, but he is going to direct you. Do not trust in your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. But not if you're not acknowledging him. And if you start directing your paths, you'll soon learn that your life is a wreck. He ends that passage to Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God was saying, Joshua, you need me. You can't fulfill this awesome responsibility. You can't fulfill the things I've asked you to do apart from me. So when you're overwhelmed with your tasks, the only task you need to complete First and foremost, the one thing you need is Him. Time with Him. Time in His Word. You see, if that's the one thing that needed, then that's the first thing I need to start my day with. Not the last thing. The first thing. 
If that's the main thing, if that's the one thing, then why would I wait and let all my day go by and I'm completely, totally, physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted and and then start to try to connect with God? Why not start with I'm precious? And maybe that's why God wakes us up in the middle of the night. You say, well, I don't feel very fresh then. Yeah, but everything's quiet and ain't nobody moving around. You can't turn the TV on. You wake up the whole household. So why not just spend it with the Lord? You'll find very quickly that supersonic anxiety slows down. And you'll be surprised at how quickly. Sometimes, though, God won't let me go back to sleep. Sometimes he gets me up out of the bed. I'm so excited about the things he showed me in his word. I don't want to forget them. So I'll get up and start writing them down. And I'm so excited I can't sleep. Sleep becomes secondary. I don't really want to sleep anymore because I'm excited about what God's teaching me and God's showing me about Himself and His Word. That's why David wrote this in Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. How many books am I reading by unbelieving authors? How many TV shows am I watching that have been written and produced by unbelievers? You know, all this stuff that that I expose myself to every day of my life that is from unbelievers, I am walking in the counsel of the ungodly. How often then, then am I in the counsel of the God? Of God and His Word. Shame on us when we walk in the counsel of the ungodly and we don't walk in the counsel of the one true God. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He, that person, will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It's close to the source of nourishment. And therefore, its fruit is born and its leaf doesn't wither and whatever that person does prospers because he is planted right there next to the source of life, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is directing his or her path and producing the fruit of his life and her life. But only if that person is delighting in the one thing that's needed. When I feel afraid... There's only one thing. When I feel overwhelmed, there's only one thing. And when I feel the pull of worldly desires, there's only one thing. See, there's a lot this world has to offer. A lot that appeals to us as human beings. And the devil knows how to take those things that appeal to us and make them even more appealing. To lure us away from the one thing. For example, in the very first temptation, there in the garden, he took something as simple as a piece of fruit. God had told them, you cannot have that fruit. You can have all this other fruit. Anything you want, you can have, but not this fruit. It was the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. They could take freely the tree of life. They could take of any other fruit in the garden, but not this fruit. So the devil does this. He says, okay, that's forbidden. Let's see how appealing I can make that to Adam and Eve. So he comes along and he says to Eve, 
look how good. Look how beautiful it is. See, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, she saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eyes. That's the first thing the devil does. He, he makes it look so good. It satisfies our eyes. And then it says, she saw that the fruit was good for food. Oh, that fruit would satisfy my hunger. And that's how the devil does it. He says, oh, if you'll just take this, it'll satisfy that urge within you. Whatever that urge might be. Hunger or whatever. And then it says, she saw that it was that which would make her wise. Knowledgeable. Smart. Intelligent. Like God. And that's what the devil does with temptation. He says, if, if you will just pursue knowledge, or if you'll pursue this, it'll make you wiser. It'll make you smarter. It'll make you more respected. And you can be, make your own choices. And, and you can be like your own God. And so there she takes it. And she eats it, and she also gives it to her husband, Adam, who the Bible says is right there with her. And they gained satisfaction from that fruit. Probably satisfied their hunger. They gained a knowledge they had never had before. They satisfied or thought they did their curiosity about how that fruit looked. But they lost so much more. They lost that intimacy with God. They lost access to the tree of life. They lost the innocence of sinlessness. And they brought into the human race the plague worse than COVID. A plague that will never be eradicated as long as earth endures. And a plague that's only cure is the blood of Jesus Christ accepted by the sinner for his sin. You see, when you feel the pull of worldly desires, and we all have them, Stop focusing on those worldly desires. Oh yeah, they're nice. But if that's your focus, and you may gain some of those. The Bible says if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, what profit is it? A man came to Jesus one day in, Luke, in Mark chapter 10. The Bible calls him a rich man. We call him the rich young ruler. So if you take those three things, he was wealthy. Had everything he needed. He was young. He had his whole life before him. He was a ruler. He had people. He had position and power and authority. What else does a man want? And he came to Jesus and he asked Jesus the most important question I think a man could ask Jesus, a person could ask Jesus, is what should I do to have eternal life. Now, if a person came to me saying, Brother Lee, what must I do to have eternal life? I would be so excited. I'd be, okay, here's a guy that's ready to be saved. 
Here's a guy that's fixing to give his life to Jesus Christ and, and, and be saved. And, and is, Jesus is going to change his life. And so Jesus went through the law with him. Why did Jesus use the law? Because the purpose of the law is to, is to expose a person's sin. When you hear the law, you, yep, I missed that one, missed that one. Well, Jesus introduces the law and there's no conviction. The man says, well, I've done all that since I was a youth. Liar. But Jesus didn't say that. But Jesus saw his real need. He saw here's a rich, young ruler. Thought he needed nothing, but he still felt like he was missing something, that eternal life thing. And Jesus said to him, one thing you lack. One thing. And if you want that one thing, you got to sell everything you have and follow me. And that's what Jesus is asking of every one of us. If you want this one thing, you got to get rid of all the junk in your life and trade it all for him. And if you're not willing to do that, you can hang up peace, love, joy, contentment. You can hang all that up because you're, you're going to be forever pursuing it but never having it. One thing you lack. Give it all up and come follow me. And it says here, the man was sad. I like to do word studies, especially with common English words like sad. In the Greek, it would be translated depressed or a state of gloominess. He was sad. This rich young ruler was sad at Jesus' word, and he went away sorrowful. I looked that word up too. It means distressed. In South Georgia 2021 English, it would be called stressed out. He was depressed and stressed out. Why? Look at the next word. Because he, he went away. He went away. That's your choice and mine today. We can choose to follow Christ and have this one thing that's in front of us, Jesus and Him and His life and His Word. And that's the main thing. That's the one thing that we desire and live for, our whole lives for. Or we can go away and continue to do our own little life and practice our little Christian little exercises to make ourselves feel better and miss what Jesus died to give us and stayed gloomy, depressed, and stressed out the rest of our lives. And notice what it says. He went away sad, depressed, sorrowful, distressed because he had great possessions. So the meaning or the implication here is that this man was unwilling to trade to make the trade Jesus was asking him to make. Give up everything for one thing. That's the point of decision for us right here this morning. Are you willing today, the first day of 2021? 2020 is gone. Tomorrow's not promised, but today. And for the rest of your life, are you willing to trade everything else for the one thing?
That is, you will spend time, you will seek and pursue a intimate, real, personal relationship with Jesus Christ through his word, through meditating on it. When you're afraid, I'm not going to choose to focus on my fears, I'm going to focus on Jesus. When you're overwhelmed, I'm not going to focus on my task, I'm going to focus on Jesus. When you're Lord and tempted to the things of the world, I'm not going to focus on the temptations, I'm going to focus on Christ and his word. The choice is before us this morning. Will you choose what David chose, what Mary chose, the best part? Or will you choose what Martha chose, the busy part? What the rich young ruler chose, the worldly pleasures? What will you choose? Let's choose right now. Make your choice right now. Don't wait till this afternoon. Make your choice right now. As we bow and as our music plays, make your choice. What's it going to be? Christ or something far less? Make your choice. If you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, what you need is not a church. What you need is not a religion. What you need is not a set of rules and regulations to live by. What you need is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that comes by faith. In other words, Jesus Christ gave his life for you. He wants you, by faith, to believe that what he did on the cross, shedding his blood, coming back from the dead, was for you. And therefore, you in turn give your life to him. That's your one thing you need to do. That supersedes every other decision in your life. Will you do that today? Just express that to him in a prayer. Just tell him, God, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for Jesus dying for me. I receive, Lord, your forgiveness. And I'm giving you my life. Would you make that decision today? As June plays... You decide for Christ.